You're listening to the 12 Days of Crusade Miss 2021, brought to you by the Longbox Crusade. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three franchises, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me To next men's next thing. Hello and welcome to the second day of the 12 days of Crusamus for 2021. Brought to you by the Longbox Crusade. The 12 days of Crusamus is our gift to the podcast community to celebrate the holiday season. And we're celebrating this joyous season by sharing with you some comic book titles that may have gotten by you in the past. Each of the 12 days of Crusamus will bring you a hidden gem of a comic series brought to you either by one of our holly jolly co-hosts or one of our podcast celebrity guests until we get all the way to december 25th christmas day i'm your host for this second day of crusademus jason albrick the christmas weasel and here are the three if you let my body and you think i'm sexy oh no Hey, Weasel Skull, how you doing? Looking good there. You got that Green Goblin shirt going on. That's all Christmassy. I like it. I like it. Oh, it's my boy, Delvin. How you doing, Delvin? Oh, look at those muscles right there. Oh, I'm Mary Jane. Uh, hello. Oh, why don't you come over here? Let's, let's, let's go over here underneath the mistletoe and, you know, we can... We can do what we do under the mistletoe. Nobody else needs to know what happens on the mistletoe, but... No, they don't. We, we can. It's Christmas. It's All right, baby. Okay. You know you'll be coming over here as it gets later in the evening. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's it's Cristados. Look at Cristados. Oh, that's such a cute little beard you're trying to grow. Are you trying to be a little man, Cristados? My little Cristados all grown up? Yeah, I think so, Mary Jane. I think so. Oh, you're cute, Cristados. Oh, thanks, Mary Jane. So you are get, you. You know, you're hey. like, you're clean shaven. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. you're like, Regular spot, but now you like that rough, tough spot, you know. From yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bristle. I hope you, you know, gives a little feel to it. So I, I hope that cream that I got you is working out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, for I the, use for it, the cold but, sores. But you know, you know the uh, I get the cream, but you know that the way the application goes, a little bit of Cristados cream, a little bit of Cristados, a little bit of Cristados <laughs> cream, a little bit of Cristados. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, and look up over here is Death Probe. Oh, Death Probe. You letting somebody else take over the show? Or are you like trembling <laughs> over there because you really want to just take control? Or I can see it in your little oh. Death Probe eyes. I just, I'm enjoying a, a Merry, Merry Jane Christmas. Oh, well, you know, oh, Sean, he left it in the wheel. He said, I got to come out here every year and say hello to it. Wait a minute. 
Wait a minute. Who's this handsome gentleman over here? What's your name, sir? They call me Alan. <laughs> oh, Alan. He sounds so sexy. But let me ask you this question, Alan. What was it before you changed it? <laughs> All right. Oh. You got me on that one, Mary Jane. 15-minute walk for the... <laughs> I'm out of here. Oh, God, what happened? I'm Woo, sorry. Man. I don't wow. know. What, she's like a hurricane. She just comes in here, and I don't know. I think we may have to tell Clinton to kind of babysit her. I thought I did. When we're recording. I left him down there with her. Oh, my goodness. One of us better go check on Clinton. Yeah, no, that's true. Hey, right. Okay. Not it. Let's get the show on the road. Jared's over there about to lose his mind. I'm Jason Albrecht, the Christmas Weasel. And here are my three, sometimes Christmassy, co-hosts joining me for today's unwrapping. We'll start with the founder, old Pat, DJ Cristado Samson. How are you this Christmas season? Well, you know, it's been a busy Christmas season already. I got the tree up. And, you know, I just want to thank you guys for helping out with that. Did one of you guys help with that? No, that's the problem. <laughs> Nobody helped me out with that. <laughs> oh, I, thought, no. I thought somebody, no. I, was, I was about to feel guilty and for so, a I thought one of you cried. And so no, now I got, guilty. I got this tree up. And while I was putting the tree up, I had my other stuff that was coming today. They came and dropped it off. And now I got these two turtles and some two doves just floating around here. And I need you guys help to find them. We'll send Mary Jane to look for that. <laughs> Turtle doves aren't two different things. <laughs> Turtles and, do- and doves. Turtle I dove went to the website and I ordered it. And <laughs> oh my I didn't get a chance to say anything because I was too busy putting up the tree. The door is ringing. No one's answering the door. I don't know what you guys do. We have stuff to do, man. I was preparing for the show. I have to host. I have a lot of responsibility riding on my shoulders right now, Pat. Uh, yeah, I, I know how that feeling goes. You're doing all right, Jason. You're doing all right. All right. Thanks, Pat. I'm going to keep an eye out for that turtles and the doves. We'll we'll look out for the turtles and the doves. Okay, Pat. All right. Thank you. All right. I'm going to swing the mic over this way and head towards my brother here. I introduce again, Death Probe, Jared Albrick, the Death Probe. How are you this Christmas season? Oh, I am. I'm doing good. I consider going by Christmas probe. Some people were for it. Some people were against it. You know, I don't know. Our HR department's kind of frowned on that one. I think. <laughs> yeah, but uh, what I don't understand is I figured it's Christmas season. It's time for giving and friendship. So I went ahead and I have spent all day decorating the Christmas tree. I don't get why Pat didn't appreciate it. I was decorating. I was there. I was decorating with... Um, the irredeemable shag and Ryan was there and Rob Kelly and Wait, did, you, did you decorate over at the fire and water? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's where the tree was. I thought you were going out to get some ornaments. I said, Hey, Jerry, on your way out, can you get me some ornaments, bring some back? And oh. you said, yeah. Oh, so fire and water has all of our ornaments. Yeah. Apparently <laughs> I, I went to the wrong tree. That's my bad. Everyone. Did you find your joy though? That's <laughs> <laughs> No, Mary Jane wasn't over there. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, all right. Well, thanks, and uh, I'm sure the fire and water fellas really appreciate uh, your help over there. Uh, and... Christmas cheer is Christmas cheer, wherever it happens. <laughs> it is, it is. Well, let's bring it on home with Delvin, the Dark Web Williams. Delvin, how are you this Christmas season? 
I'm doing okay. And it looks like I found one of uh, Pat's doves. Uh, it was in the corner and it was dark and it was alone and it was frightened. And, and, and that's what it sounds like when doves cry. Gotcha. I'm not very proud of that, but you know, I, I, I had to come up with something. I was on short notice. That's not bad. I'm going to approve it, so mm-hmm. you're okay with me. And you still okay. got it, though, and you want to hand it over? Yeah, I dig if you will, that bit. Dig if you will, a picture. Melvin trying to come up with a bit. All yours, Jason. The sweat on his brow is flowing. He knows it's going to sound like <laughs> Call that Delve that you found. I'm going to call him Little Delvin. Well, with that, why don't we... Bring in our guest this evening. He knows everything there is to know about James Bond. He's collected the toys. He's collected the real Bond toys. And uh, yeah, he's our good friend over uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. We've uh, teased his intro, but here he is, Mr. Alan Porter. How are you this Christmas season, Alan? I'm doing good. Thank you, guys. So actually, in our house, Christmas season doesn't start till tomorrow because today... It's my daughter's birthday, and we are not allowed to start Christmas until after her birthday. So we don't start Christmas until December the 3rd. So I'm ramping up there, getting ready to get the tree and do the decorating. But we're not allowed to do that till tomorrow. So I approve of that rule. I think uh, we should uh, definitely have a line of delineation between uh, your daughter's birthday and uh, Christmas. I think that's a great idea. All right. As you heard in the original singing intro today we're uh, talking about two next men's next thing which means we're unwrapping john burns next men issue 29 from 1991 for those of you who are not familiar with next men basically coming off the massive success at marvel uh, with the x-men fantastic four and his relaunch of the superman franchise at dc by the late 1980s british canadian Writer artist John Byrne could pretty much write his own ticket for what he wanted to do in comics. Um, and back in '86, Byrne had pitched a series about some superpowered freaks to DC, um, and they were actually even included in a uh, history of the DC Universe portfolio. But the project was never picked up. So several years later, when he moved over to Dark Horse to basically do the Legends creator-owned series, where People like himself and Frank Miller um, could actually go off and do whatever they wanted uh, under the Dark Horse banner, Dark Horse Legends banner. He resurrected it, took two of those characters, added a few more, and spun it off into a series called Next Men. Um, He kicked it off in a graphic novel called 2112, which has got absolutely nothing to do with the Rush album, if uh, that's what 2112 means to you. Um, But uh, 2112 was published by Dark Horse in late 1991, uh, reintroduced the concept of the Next Men, basically a group of teenagers who were experimented on and given superpowers by nefarious government organizations and then kept in a secret facility until they were broken out, um, went out to save the world as, as you do when you've got superpowers. The success of 2112 led to the full series being getting a green light and it ran for 30 issues originally, running from 92 to 94, all from Dark Horse. And then in 2010, there was a nine-issue follow-up from IDW and then a five-issue uh, small sort of final wrap-up in 2012. So uh, it's sort of been hit and miss over the years in terms of its publishing history, uh, basically being done when Byrne can do it and the publisher wants to get it on the schedule. But he did say, he originally set it out for 
and plan the whole story out from the beginning. And it sort of reads like that. So, and it's been collected in various formats. You can get it in traditional trade paperbacks where they collect like uh, six issues of it or four issues in a trade all the way up to large black and white phone book reprints as well as some omnibus editions. So it's pretty easy to find, but it seems to be one that a lot of people overlook when they're talking about John Byrne. And it's a series that he's really got to let loose. One of the reasons that I really like this story is when it came out, I was a big John Byrne fan, fan a Byrne victim, I think they called him at the time. Um, I, I was a Byrne victim from the moment I first came across his art. Um, and by the time Next Man was coming out, I was collecting any John Byrne I could get, covers, back issues, stuff he did back Charlton and the Wheelies and all the stuff he did for Charlton Comics, Space 1999, all his Marvel and DC stuff. So I was collecting everything he did. And for me, this was really the ultimate John Byrne project. It's him doing science-based superheroes without the constraints of being part of the Marvel or DC universe. I will say it's not an easy read at times. It tackles some pretty deep and uncomfortable subjects such as racism, STDs, abortion, manipulation, child abuse, deep state stuff. But it also has some great action, some great character development, uh, lots of intrigue and uh, a lot of fun science fiction stuff that I love, like evil scientists, time travel, historical adventures, alternate realities. And it actually also plays with the idea of a comic book company within that universe actually doing comics of the heroes and it sort of gets fairly meta about the whole comic book industry as well so it has many different levels many different aspects to it and i think it's one that uh, just tends to get overlooked when people talk about the work that john burns done on superheroes they tend to focus on his stuff at marvel and dc which is all great stuff but for me this is him with the restraints removed and just going doing what he really wanted to do so i'm interested if any of you guys actually heard of the next man comics before read them at all are aware of them uh, jason I've heard of Next Men. I remember when it came out, I saw advertisements and such uh, around the comic book store. I know it was very popular, but I had never actually read an issue until uh, this one. Pat, uh, is it something you were aware of? I don't think I was aware of this at all. Um, I haven't heard much about it, and I didn't know uh, John Byrne went on to do other stuff besides, you know, I thought he was just in the you know, hung out in the Marvel area there for quite a long time or, you know, into, into the big two for quite a long time. So uh, it's kind of interesting. Cool. Yeah, he's done a, he, He's actually done a lot um, outside the Marvel and DC universe as well. He's done, I think he still does some Star Trek stuff for IDW and he did like his own secret agent series as well and a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, Jared, you want to put your pen down and actually pay attention? I'm listening to every word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I only knew of it. I didn't discover it until college when I worked at a place called the Heart of Dixie Military Surplus Guns, Knives, and Comic Book Store. And <laughs> and that's where I learned about a lot of titles that I hadn't heard of because I, I was in charge of the comic book section, you know, organize them. And I was like, what is, you know, if it wasn't Marvel or DC or maybe Image, I maybe didn't know it. So I do remember like filing a whole bunch of like John Byrne's Next Men. And I was like, okay, I, I know who John Byrne is. And it looks interesting, but I never dove into it. Read my first issue for today's episode. And Delvin? I have heard of it. I have never read any of it. Okay. Well, I made these guys read issue 29, which seems an odd place to start because it's actually the penultimate issue of the first run and really goes into a cliffhanger. It sort of starts off with one of the main characters 
having what appears to be a dream sequence, which leads into another dream sequence, which leads into an alternative reality. And then it sort of jumps to various characters coming together. And this issue really is a lot of threads coming together. It's sort of schemes within schemes being revealed, deceptions within deceptions being revealed. And it all sort of culminates in the revelation that the guy who is the president of the USA in this reality is in fact the reincarnation of the villain who started the whole process and starts going around basically leeching energy and murdering people. Meanwhile, various members of the team um, are sort of converging on the White House, some who want to assassinate the president and some who want to stop the assassination of the president because of what it means in the future. It's a fairly complex issue. The reason I chose this one, this is actually the only one of the individual comics that I still have from the series. I have the full series collected as the graphic novel trade paperback collections plus the 2112, but this is the only one I kept as an individual issue, partly because it's actually got a very personal letter of comment in the back from me um, about something that happened to me and my family that he'd addressed in a previous issue. Plus the fact that uh, when I actually wrote that letter, John Byrne actually sent me a personalized original sketch of the team sign that he'd done for me as a thank you for the letter, um, which I still have, because it was actually on a comic book board size. So I actually still have that. And I know this is very... um, visual but there we go fancy yeah signed original art from john Byrne, fully colored of the team and that's not just a sketch that's 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 a finished art yeah yeah it's finished piece yeah yeah so this particular issue uh has a a lot of uh resonance for me so uh, interestingly as none of you have actually read it before dropping you guys right in towards the end of the series this i'm sure was confusing as hell what did you make of it this particular issue delvin as your first experience to the next man. It is my first experience. And with that, I, I have a story that Jared's heard, but I know that Jason and Pat probably haven't. Uh, we had an instructor in ROTC. His name was Tom Smith. And one of Tom's big claims to fame is that he beat Bo Jackson, the all-star athlete in a 100-yard dash in high school. But one of the reasons that he beat Bo Jackson, who is an all-world athlete, even to this day, where was teenagers and broke his hip. No, did Bo, even, no, did no, Bo yeah. even know this? Well, of course, but, uh, <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> and so, Bo, at that point, by the time he ran that 100-yard dash, had competed in literally everything that day. So <laughs> he was dog tired, and that's how Tom was able to beat him. I bring this up because I know that this point of John Byrne, because when we met him in the Uncanny X-Men, when he really got that big claim to fame, he was really just doing the art. And then, I mean, I can't complain about the man because the man rewrote Superman and DC gave him the Superman property. They don't give also Rans the Superman property. So please couch all of what I'm about to say in that. But it just seemed like he kind of got to a point where he started stretching himself too thin. And it's like you start doing the art and the story and the inks and and just, I don't know. I wound up being a little bit like confused. And it just seemed like even just looking at some of the art where I know that John Burns work when he has time to do it is beautiful. But this seemed to be the point of his career where it it's almost like he rushed himself because he wanted to put out this story so badly. So I don't know. I was a little bit uh, confused by it. I didn't think it was bad by any measure, but I was definitely like, 
maybe I need to find out more what's going on because it seemed like a huge reveal at the end of yeah. what happened. And I'm like, this seems big, <laughs> but, I, I didn't, but I didn't know why it did. So it, so it didn't I, have that big effect on no, you like yeah. it should have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. had I read the previous 28 to come to that, I probably, ah. yeah. So, yeah. but I did get it. And, and maybe that's a testament to John Byrne that I understood that that was a big moment. I didn't understand why, but I did understand it. I, I've talked long enough. So, by all means, someone else, yeah. please take it. No, I think that there are, I think they're actually good points. I mean, like I said, you know, this was the penultimate one of the first run, I think he was trying to get it finished. It does feel a little rushed compared to some of the other stuff, particularly in the artwork. He sort of did less and less on the backgrounds and sort of more simplified. So I, I think that's a valid point. I think it is a good point that though, that even coming in at that late point that you got that this was a significant thing within the story and the various layers of the story, I think was good. If you are interested, yeah, don't start at issue 28. I sort of threw you guys a, a curveball starting at issue 28. Start with the 20, 2112 graphic novel if you can find it and, uh, and and start there, I think. Okay. Jason? No, I kind of felt like delving a little bit. I had a feeling that I ran into a Christopher Nolan movie about an hour and a half into it. And I was like, there's a lot of stuff going on and it seemed really cool, but I am really confused. I will say that it was difficult for me and it's going to be kind of difficult when it comes candy cane time because it's like, I didn't not like it. I just don't know i i couldn't tell what was uh you know who are the good guys who are the bad guys here and i think part of it is they themselves don't know yeah that's part of the point yeah from that perspective i got that and that seemed pretty cool i did like how it was converging on the white house and you had all those groups even though i didn't understand all the characters and the motivations i thought it was interesting and they had one panel that i thought was really cool where it had the white house and just like silhouette as mm-hmm. they're all as they're all approaching it from different angles and different perspectives so even though i didn't know what exactly was going to happen it kept me engaged and i know something interesting is going to come out on the next page and so it kept me turning the page all the way through so it was a bit of a difficult read for me but i still think the art looks good even though as delvin says it's rushed and i did notice that there was a lot of shortcuts on the backgrounds but still, the character designs look great. Colors look great. You know, art was still solid. It was a bit of a mixed bag for me, but overall, I enjoyed it. Pat, what did you make of this issue? Just like the other two, they kind of said some of the same things that were on my mind as well, too. So I'll kind of keep this short here. I agree with Jason and Delvin that the art is is there, but somewhat not there. And I, I just can't put my finger on it, but I think Jason kind of did with, you know, the backgrounds there and, and that. Uh, it does look great. And you can tell by the character designs that I'm like, you put a little different hair on this person or that person. It looks like an X-Men comic book. And I thought that was really cool. I was confused by the story, what was happening, getting kind of just put into it. Uh, I didn't know what was what until somewhat towards the end. And then when it was kind of coming together at that point understand okay like who are these people why is this kid whiny why is who's this other whiny kid that's going on here and what's going on and why did you know all of a sudden next thing you know jenny is all you know you go to sleep now and you kind of find out the time traveling craziness that's going on (laughs) and so i then i i I was like well i wonder why alan kind of picked this one and then i read further on into the letter page and i read your letter that you wrote in there i thought that was really cool and uh to hear more about 
what John Byrne did for you. I thought that was really cool. So I, I, I see where you're coming from here, Alan. This is definitely an interesting pick. Thank you. Yeah, I can and, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very uh, cathartic moment for us with what he'd done earlier on. That, so. Yeah, Jared, you're up. Didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I, I was the first of the four of us to finish reading it. I will read you the text that I sent to the other three. <laughs> what the hell has he made us read? <laughs> <laughs> and this dot 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 is one confusing <laughs> comic. <laughs> Imagine a standard two-hour Mission Impossible movie, and you get to see it from the one-hour and 40-minute mark to the one-hour and 50-minute mark, and that's it. But I will say, this is, that's where the text ends, but I will say the, the piece I kept hidden from my friends here is I think it's that is its greatest strength. Because while it was like, there's like six or seven twists and turns in here that we don't even have reference points for, it was so layered and you could tell there was so much going on that it does make me like, I want to read the whole thing. I want to know how we got here and what's going on. So from that point of view, it did a great job. I, I think, he, you know, Burns channeling Claremont in here with his twist and the turns and the, the stuff that's going on with all that layering happening. I don't know. I never got bored, so... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have to cut that out. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of his influences on showing this in this series, and like I say, you know, it does throw in a lot of the science fiction tropes, and you just in it the time travel, alternate realities, the conspiracy stuff, so the multiple layers. I think sometimes he's got too many ideas that get thrown into the pot, and I think some of the like the two miniseries later on help clarify those, particularly around some of the time travel stuff. The second nine-issue series is really around the time travel alternative reali reality stories. But I think it's actually a, a good sign that you can come in at 28 out of 30 issues and actually still pick up vaguely what's happening and actually hook you enough to be interested to find out how you got to that point. I think uh, it's a pretty good sign of the storytelling strengths behind it. Okay, so I guess it's candy cane time. Time to rate your interest in the series uh, using the official Crusademus candy cane scale. On a scale of 1 to 12 candy canes, 12 being extremely interested, 1 being no interest at all. How many candy canes would you rate your interest in pursuing more issues of this title? So we'll start with Pat. Well, I think with you giving a little more information on this background and, and all that's happening in it, this was very helpful for me to kind of understand where it was coming from. So I'm at an eight candy cane. If I find some in the, you know, back bin issues, I'm definitely going to pull it up because I am interested. And I think what sucked me in was the time travel aspect of it. Trying to figure out, is that Hilltop, the younger Hilltop coming back from the future to stop him and, and kind of what's going on there. And because he turns evil and that I don't know, but I want to know. So, uh, Jared? How would you rate this in terms of uh, your candy cane allocation? I suspect I'm going to be the high guy here because, like I said, it did definitely make me want to read more. So I'm going to go a 10 candy canes out of 12 with the caveat, uh, same as Pat. If I see them in back issue bins, I will pull them, but I will not read it until I have them all because I've already figured out <laughs> I'm going to need every issue yeah. to put this puzzle together. So I'm going 10. Okay. Jason. Well, using my traditional scale of humor, heart, spectacle, and art, humor, I, I can't even give it. A, and I, there wasn't anything <laughs> very funny in this book at all. So no candy canes there. Heart, 
I think the heart's there. I, I picked up elements of it from the different characters. I think like both the fellows that went before me, I'd have to read more, but I'm willing to invest two candy canes. I, I think that I, I can comfortably say, here's two candy canes. I think there's heart there. Uh, spectacle, kind of same story. Lots of stuff going on. I think it's pretty cool, so I'll give it two for that. And art, I'll give it a solid two, like we talked about. Not Burns best work, but still very good and better than most. Uh, so that's six. And I usually bump it up if the guest brings enthusiasm uh, for a seven. But I'm going to go eight as well, uh, just because I know this is... Not only did you bring enthusiasm, you have a personal attachment and shared some of your experiences with us in the show. That means something. So I'm going to land on eight candy canes for this issue. Okay, cool. Thank you. And Delvin? I will bring up the rear with a seven, but I want to note that I, I definitely am interested because it's like, what happened here? And then it is John Byrne, who's an attention getter. That's a name. And then I... I've known you long enough, Alan, to know that uh, you're a man of impeccable taste and you aren't just going to pick something just besides choice of friends. Jared. Yes. If I'm a man of impeccable taste, why am I doing this? <laughs> Do you well, owe a most, debt or something? <laughs> mostly impeccable taste. And so like that combination of it would have me seek it out. And heck, if I found it, you know, in, in a dollar bin somewhere and there's a full run or like a first 12, heck yeah, I'd pick it up because it's comic books. And that's what you're supposed to do is dump, uh, bend, dive and pick up some new stuff that you have an interest in. I think this would be a good series for uh, a quest to go on, a crusade or, or may have you, uh, to get these issues and get them bound by Omaha Bound. Just as I think this would be something really snazzy and fancy if i may say that that they could do and i to me if i could do that if i could find these th this would be my little quest to do once i have it all hardbound then be able to read that story oh man it would look very cool in a single hardbound uh, collection very much so yeah. from a hardbound of course not from anybody else oh exactly so actually i'm surprised i thought you guys I, I, i'm pleased how high you scored it i thought it might be sort of more middle of the road particularly as i like dropped you in right at the end of the series with a fairly confusing issue. So uh, I'm actually really pleasantly surprised by uh, the scores that you guys gave it. And uh, like I said, it's not necessarily an easy read. It's it can be confusing. But uh, if you really want to see what one of the giants of the 1980s comic scene did when he's let loose, I really recommend checking it out. Um, it'll make you think. Uh, it'll get you engaged. And I think it's a great example of John Byrne at his best. That's it. Well, all right, folks. That will wrap up day two of the 12 Days of Crusademus. Christmas Day is right around the corner. We'd love to hear from you if you're familiar with any of the comics we cover here on the show, or if you gave one of our recommendations a try, let us know what you think. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade, or you can email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. And if you're loving Crusademus and didn't get a chance to listen last year, or just want to hear more Crusademus, if you scroll far enough back on your feed, you can find all the episodes from Crusademus Past, 2020, 2019, 2018, or even going back to the OG 2017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to come back tomorrow to find out what the next gift is from under the tree here in the festively decorated Lombots Crusade Studios. Until then, DJ Cristados, play one of my favorite Christmas jams to sign us out. Wiggity, 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 whack. What?
We're out. God bless us, everyone. Everyone. Oh, my goodness. We're, we're still missing some turtles and one more dove. <laughs> Anybody see the turtles? The Christmas tree over at Fire and Water looks spectacular. Pat, I, I need you to calm down. Why do we scream at each other? <laughs> They said there'll be snow at Christmas They said there'll be peace on earth But instead it just kept on raining A veil of tears for the virgin birth I remember one Christmas morning A winter's light and a distant choir And the peal of a bell and that Christmas tree smell Eyes full of tinsel and fire They sold me a dream of Christmas they sold me a cyanite They told me a fairy story Till I believed in the Israelite And I believed in Father Christmas And I looked to the sky with excited eyes Then I woke with a yawn in the first light of dawn And I saw him and through his disguise songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. I hear a little something. The problem with that too is that StreamYard tries to help so it really really picks it up when you start talking. Uh, all That's right. when it does pick up the home. Because I'm at about a quarter up from zero on the back of my Yeti. Uh-huh. Where are you at? Uh, Alabama. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go mute. Frame mute. Alan, you got your script? Yep. I got to get the script up. All right.
Here we go. Kicking this off in three, two, one. Going on mute. I'm going on mute. You know, I'm, I'm going on Thank mute. Thank you, now. Delvin. Thanks for. You're welcome. Thanks for You're going welcome. on mute, Delvin. I, I just figured it would be nice to let everyone know before we got started that I was going to go on mute. That's very nice of you. Yes. I, I'm Thank still you. trying to get the script up. All right. You don't need the script, Pat. It's, it's crusading us. Thought you were on mute, Delvin. Well, I said I was going on mute, like the process of muting, but I have not muted. All right. Okay, now, now I am muting. Going in three, two. I was perfectly good during that whole time. I didn't join in the bit once. I, <laughs> mute, I muted too because I was having some ice. That's a lot more fun when it's... You, you don't want to hear that. that. Nope, who's, don't who's hear that. Who's hosting this one? I don't know. Who is hosting this one, Pat? Oh, I better look in the script. Wait, I'm trying to still get the script up. Hold on. Your script you still don't should need be a up. script, Pat. Your pants should be down. This is no time to mess around. You know, I don't. Maybe somebody hear like a dove crying? <laughs> Maybe I'm just like my father. Too. <laughs> I'm surprised Jared isn't joining along. This is this is Prince. You, you're too good. I, I for think I got a lot of care. Let me. T- I think Jared is trying to move us along with a little more electricity. <laughs> Lactose lactose tolerance or something. He's very lactose tolerant, so he wants to talk about this, Pat. Alacrity. (laughs) Alacrity. I'm going to prep my Why would you put lacquer in your tea? (laughs) I'm going on mute until we're ready. (laughs) Pull that up. So you you can do me a favor. You can all wish my daughter Megan a happy birthday, and she can listen back to this and listen to you idiots all giving her a birthday greeting. So, oh, all right, should we should we all join in song, gentlemen? No, just happy birthday. <laughs> come on, do the song. Come happy on, birthday to Megan. Dig uh, if you will a birthday. <laughs> all right, Jason, See all the, the presents around Megan. the tree. What's your daughter's name before we get going? It's Megan. Megan. Yeah. All right. What was that, Jared? What do you want me to do? You want oh, me to sing it? Lead the happy birthday song. I'll I'll join in. Well, you know, I can't lead the happy birthday song. Mary, Mary Jane's in charge of the happy birthday song. <laughs> oh, go ahead then. Oh, go ahead. God. <sighs> hey, Megan. Hey, baby. It's Mary Jane over here on Longbox Crusade. I hear it's your birthday. A happy birthday. <laughs> Come on, boys. Put some pep in it. Happy birthday, Megan. Happy birthday, Megan. <laughs> Thank you, guys. That will be a unique birthday gift. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Boy, how's anybody going to top that one, fellas? I don't know.